Hi, everybody. My name is Diane. I'm an addict from Halifax, Nova Scotia. Actually, I'm from a little town outside of Halifax called Shibanakabe, and that is Micmac, uh, uh, or Micmac, as we say, for the land where the wild potatoes grow, so a little bit of information. Uh, thank you for the committee for asking me to speak. It's funny, they first asked me to speak on uh, principles before personalities. I'm like, oh, yeah. And that's after I had a huge discussion with my manager about things going on at work, and I'm like, oh, I really need to speak on principles before personalities. And then I get a call back. He says, no, 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 I think I want you to speak on relationships. And I'm like, oh, God. I think I'd rather speak about principles before personalities. <laughs> so, um, actually, yesterday was my 13 years clean. <laughs> back about my active addiction, my road was a little different from other people. I never used socially. I always used in a closed room by myself for one purpose, and that's to get high, because I couldn't, I couldn't handle my feelings. And I knew that getting high would erase my feelings. So I never used socially. I never used with another person my whole career of using. I always used by myself in a closed room, and it was a big secret. When I ended up in detox, not one person, I shouldn't say not one person, most, 99.9% of the people in my life didn't even know I picked up a drug, because that's the mask I wore. I was a professional, I had, was a divorced uh, mother of two children, uh, my family were Dutch Catholic farmers, so we were members of the community and had a high moral standard, and... Um, and it was a big secret. Nobody knew. I had one person that kind of knew I was struggling and, you know, kind of asked me every now and then, are you okay, Diane? And, and I said, oh, yeah, I'm fine. That was my thing. No, I'm fine. And um, she said, okay. And uh, so that's the story of my using by myself, um, not telling anybody how I felt because I was told at a very young age how I felt was wrong. You know, I, Mom, they hurt my feelings. Don't worry about it. You know, you shouldn't let that. Mom, they bullied me at school. Don't let it bother you. I feel this way. That's wrong. You shouldn't feel that way. So that's how I was brought up. So I was learned, told that everything I felt was wrong, and every feeling that I had was inappropriate. So I didn't share anything with anybody any time. It was all in my head, and it was all boiling up inside me. So when we talk about relationships prior to recovery, I had relations, I can't even say I had relationships, because I did, nobody knew how I felt. Nobody I shared with anything. Nobody knew my dreams, nobody knew my aspirations, nobody knew my struggles, nobody knew what hurt me. I was fine. I was fine. Nobody knew. And so I had no relationships. I didn't share anything with anybody. Because the one or two times I did, I was told I was foolish, or I was laughed at, or whatever. So I didn't share anything with anybody. You know, I was, I went to school, I did what I needed to do. You know, I came home, I did my homework, I went to school, I, you know, got a career. I did what I had to do, but I never shared anything with anybody because I was told it was wrong, or they hurt me when I did. 
So I became, or I was, or I started using so that I could deal with everything that I had struggled with. Everything that I had stopped was starting to boil over, and I knew that the only thing that would help me was to use. So I used, and I used, and I used, and I used, and then all of a sudden, you, it was out. You know, I, I was using so much, and uh, I, could, I was using at work, and work kind of intervened, and I ended up in detox, and everybody was, what the fuck? What happened? Nobody knew. And even the first part of recovery, I never let anybody know, because once I stopped, and I was in recovery, then everything was supposed to be okay. But I never learned how to talk. I never learned how to be honest. I never learned how to share my feelings, even with my husband. I never learned any of that. I oh yeah, I'm fine. I mean, I literally said that every day. No, I'm fine. You know, I went to psychologists, psychiatrists, because everybody was worried because I, you know, I didn't share anything. And I'm like, no, I'm fine. No, I'm fine. <laughs> Nobody knew. So when I got into recovery, and everybody's saying, well, you have to get a sponsor. You have to be honest. You have to share how you're feeling. I'm going, I'm not doing any of that because I didn't know how to do it. I didn't have any relationships. Even with my kids, I was, you know, you need to do this. You need to do that. And when they came to me with a problem, I would problem solve the problem. But that was it. You know, I didn't, I wasn't engaged in their lives. You know, I did what I had to do. So I came into recovery and I learned about relationships. And I learned that I had to start having them. And I didn't want to. Like, I was safe. If I didn't share anything with anybody, nobody said I was wrong. Nobody laughed at me. Nobody did anything. It was safe for me to be by myself. So, but <laughs> that didn't work, right? Because you have to get a sponsor. You have to do your steps. You have to get honest. You have to tell people how you're feeling. And it was, it was a struggle, and it's still a struggle. It's... I want, to t I want to lie to you. I want to tell you everything's okay when it's not. I don't want to tell you that I'm, you hurt my feelings when you said that. I don't want to tell you that I'm envious of how you look in the relationships that you have and the money that you have in your bank account. I don't want to tell you that, right? I don't want to even tell myself that. But I have a sponsor, and I worked a set of steps, and that kind of the first, as we say, layer of the onion came off, right? I kind of said, okay, I need relationships. Um, I was divorced at this time, and I started dating a little bit, and, you know, guys that I saw, you know, I just didn't want to hear from them after the first time, and even if they were great, because that meant that I had to put myself out there, right? I had to risk, you know, being hurt, and I went to a psychologist once, and I said, you know, I had all these, you know, great people in my life, and, and they don't interest me, and she just kind of looked at me once, and she said, well, maybe they're not the right person, and that was okay with me, so I'll put it out there, I gave it to my higher power. So that's kind of where my starting of relationships started. And it wasn't just romantic relationships, it was relationships with my kids, it was relationships with my family, it was relationships at work, and it was intimate relationships too with another person that I start, knew that I needed to work on. If I was going to grow and if I was going to be honest, like everybody else, I would have to start taking risks. And it was hard for me to do that. So, I listened to a speaker tape once from Vito, and he talked about relationships. And he talked about putting the traditions in relationships. And not just romantic relationships, but work relationships and family relationships. 
So I'll just speak a little bit about that. First thing I'd like to talk about, though, is how forgiveness has helped me in my relationship. My father, from the time I can remember, um, was abusive. And not, I'm not minimizing it, but he never really, like, beat us to a pulp, or he never really, you know, was sexually, you know, all the way. But he would touch us inappropriately, and he would slap us or hit us or whatever, right? And and as a little girl who wanted her father's attention, it it was it was hurtful, right? And as we I grew up, my mother kind of knew what was going on, and she would never let my father and I be alone together. If she went to the hospital or she took trips to Holland because we're they immigrated, I would be fostered out because Dad and I would never be allowed to be together because it was like fire and water, right? Like it was just never worked. And I remember in early recovery, financially, I was in trouble and, you know, my divorce was final and I kind of got, I just kind of signed everything. I just wanted to be out, you know, and my dad, and I'd have to come to my dad for help, right? And he'd say, Diane, you always come to me when you want something. Like, why don't you just come to me and talk to me? Why is it always when you want something? And I talked to him about the shame of having to come, that it was my last resource, and that I really didn't feel like there was any other relationship other than he was my father and if I, nothing else helped. He, he was my last kind of uh, house on, on the street. And he kind of said, I just want you to come and talk to me. You're right? And that's where things kind of changed. And I kind of talked to him about, the, you know, the abuse. And he really didn't admit it, but he kind of listened to me. And from that point on, our relationship changed. And I have to forgive him because that's what the steps tell us, right? Like, you can't change the past, you know? And I wanted to change the future, and I didn't want to be stuck, you know, in that abuse. So I made a conscious decision to forgive him. And from that point on, this has been one of the most fulfilling spiritual relationships I've had in my life. Um, at this point, he has a little bit of dementia going on, you know, and he's very vulnerable. And he's a strong man, you know, a strong Dutch immigrant, you know, and he's, he's, he's vulnerable. And he talks to me with tears in his eyes. And, you know, this is a gift. This is a gift of recovery. This is a gift of forgiveness, you know. And a lot of people have said to me, how can you forgive that man for what he's done to you? But how can I not? That's what this program tells us to do. I can't change what he did. You know, I have acknowledged what he's done, and I've talked to him about what he's done, but I will not let it define my future with him. And um, that, is, that is one of the gifts of recovery. So I learned, and I took a, there was a bunch of us in Halifax that did um, work the, the traditions on relationships, personal relationships, and work relations, uh, service relationships. So I'm just going to briefly touch how the relationships have changed, the traditions have changed the relationships in my life, and how I can apply these traditions to my relationships, which is awesome, because I have a, before it was, what do I do? How do I change things? Well, now I have the answers, right? So the 12 conditions, number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on any unity. If I put that in my relationship with my partner, Jim, our common welfare should come first. 
personal, our relationship depends on our unity. So if he has an issue, and I have an issue, and they're different, we have to come to something that is mutually agreeable to the two of us. And it's not hard. It's not as hard as it sounds. Like, our unity, like if he's on one page, and I'm on another page, and we're, we go to bed at night, and he's on one side of the bed, and I'm on the other, that is not unity. Or if he sits at the table and doesn't talk to me about something, and I too pissed to talk about something else. That's not unity. Our relationship depends on the fact that we are united, that we have a common welfare. Our common purpose is to have a loving, caring, mutually satisfying relationship. That's why we're in it. We're not here to be miserable. We're not here to be, you know, to have our ego stroked. We are here to have a loving, caring relationship. And that's what the 12 traditions tells me. And that's what I try to put forward in our relationship. Like, do I want to work towards the problem or do I want to work towards the solution? And sometimes working towards the solution is saying, yes, this is what I want, but this is not what I'm going to get. You know, and come to a common um, common area. And that's how it works for me. For our group purpose, there's what, but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in the group. So how does the loving God express himself in our relationship? Right? He's, to be compassionate with each other, to be understanding with each other, to be forgiving to each other. You know, that's how the, my higher power works in my relationship. So I can put these traditions and apply to my relationship, and really it's not about me, it's not about whoever, or work, or whatever. It's about, you know, what is our, um, what is our primary purpose, right? Uh, the only requirement for membership is a desire to stop using. The only requirement for membership in my relationship, our relationship, is to have a loving relationship. It's not to get up financially. It's not because, you know, they're good in the sack. It's not because socially it's, it's better for me. It is a loving relationship that I want, and that is why I'm in it. Each group should be autonomous. I love that one. I live my life, Jim lives his life, and then we have our life, you know. He does his thing, he does conventions, he does work, I do work, I do my family, but together we always, you know, we always have that common uh, unity, that common denominator. My happiness is not dependent on his happiness. It helps, <laughs> but, you know, I can be, I can have a bad day and he not have a bad day, you know, and I'm saying, you know, I'm just having a moment. And it not have to depend on him. He does not have to fix me. I do not have to fix him. You know, we are autonomous. We do our own things, but yet we are united. We go to meetings. We, you know, we make dates. We go for drives. Our big thing is we walk together. We walk for kilometers every day, you know, and, and that's what we do. So even though we have different lives, my happiness isn't dependent if Jim comes home with a happy face, you know. I will let him do his thing, and I can do my thing. And you know what? It works for us. Um, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry the message to the addict who still suffers. And that still is our purpose. We are very service-orientated, not just to NA, but to my kids. You know, I have two adult, adult girls who, one has mental health issues, and one is so independent it would blow your socks off. But yet... Um, you know, that's what works for us, you know. Um, uh, every NA group ought to ever endorse, finance, or lend the NA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. 
So, you know, financially, we're together. You know, we kind of have our, what our purpose is. We're going to look to buy a house. You know, our monies, like I don't hide what I have or, you know, and that's hard for me. Like, you know, I lied all my life. You know, if I go buy something and it's $20 and I might think that it's a little bit too expensive, I'll just say, oh, it's $10. Just little things, right? But together, you know, financially, we are united, right? We try to work to, a com to our common welfare. And to lie about it and be dishonest about it isn't the what our higher power wants in our lives. We are self-supporting. You know, we try not to be dependent on each other. Um, we are, are never be organized, but we make the service boards, the committees, the regular Well, you know, it's funny because we struggle with one of my daughters, the one with mental health. Like, we could not do it ourselves. We were struggling. So we went for outside help, right? We went and, and achieved outside help, got a therapist. You know, how together can we work towards our common welfare, right? So we went out and we got professional help, and it has worked for us, right? Um, I'll just skip over that. We has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, any name ought never be drawn into public controversy. We try not to gossip. It's very hard we have two addicts that live together and not talk about other people in the fellowship. <laughs> Especially when they, when he agrees or I agree to something that he says, you know, and then we're, oh yeah, we're all out in this, you know, we try not to gossip. We try to love everybody in the fellowship and we try to keep what happens to my sponsees, to myself. Like if I, I have a lot of, I have six sponsees, you know, and I know a lot about my sponsees. And some of my sponsees have relationships with his sponsees. So, and it's very hard sometimes to just say, yeah, 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 and not put your sense worth in. Because I know certain things, and he knows certain things, and to kind of keep it separate is hard sometimes. And when we cross those boundaries, not that we do, but it's sometimes it's a, little, it's a little scary, you know, we have to kind of step back and say, you know what, this is not what I want to do. You know, I, I can't talk about it, or, you know, I'm not at liberty. But, so it's, it's a little different, you know, it's a little, it's because I know some things. <laughs> it's hard. And anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personality. You know, we disagree. You know, we do. But what do I want? You know, do I really want to be right? Being right is not a spiritual principle. That's what I've learned. And sometimes, sometimes it's hard, right? It's hard to have relationships. It's hard to put yourself, especially when we were so silent and lied for so long, you know, and to hide ourselves and to not tell anybody who we were, you know. I had this mask that everything was fine. And now to be vulnerable and say, no, I'm not fine, you know, this is what's struggling. I'm in this relationship to have a loving, caring relationship. I'm not in this relationship to be fighting or to be right or to have my way all the time because I don't get my way all the time. I've learned that. You know, I've learned that my way isn't always the right way. You know, and my way sometimes I have to give what up what I want for the good of the unity, right? It's the good of the relationship. Um, I don't know. I'm not good at relationships. If they were to... They tell us in recovery that, you know, you'll, you learn through failures, right? Well, I've learned a lot about relationships. 
I'm just going to share something that's really been on my mind lately. I had a, my very first sponsor save my life. And she's so totally not who I am. I was, she, you know, she, she came from the street, she came from the jail, you know, she's out there, um, and I'm this quiet, never say anything, you know, but she saved my life. She showed me Narcotics Anonymous. She loved me unconditionally. And over the years, we've kind of, you know, grown apart, but I've always respected her. She's always a huge part of recovery in, in Halifax, and, and I don't know why, but I started struggling with that relationship, and I can't to this day tell you why. You know, it was, I don't know. So it was actually this time last year at the Canadian Convention in Halifax that, you know, she kind of came to me and, and I kind of, what I said, what I meant to say and what came out of my mouth was wrong, was different, you know. And I hurt her. You know, and I could see as soon as I said the words, you can just kind of see and, and you know, her, her eyes, the pain just came in her eyes. I'm like, oh my God, what did I say? And it took me a while to understand what she heard because that was not what I meant to say, but that was what she heard. And I hurt her really bad. And I love this woman. You know, I really love this woman. And I couldn't believe, and I, oh my God, what did I do? And, and I went to find her and she was hurt. But she's street, right? Like she was not letting me off her easy. And, and yes, we had a little bit of a blowout, and, and it was it was not it was not spiritual <laughs> on either of us, you know. And I'm I'm sorry, that's not what I meant. And she said, well, then why did you say it? And I saved your ass. And, and I'm like, yes, you did. And she said, well, you wouldn't say that. And you know, she said, I can't. And it was it was not pretty. It was not pretty. And it's been a year, you know. It's been a year, and I have not talked to her. And it's, it's been on my mind, you know. She, she recently celebrated an anniversary, and one of my friends, I said, can you, give, can you give me a hug for me, you know? Just let her know, you know, because I'm ready. I'm ready to, to talk to her. I'm ready to ask forgiveness again. Because I know it was me. You know, I know what I wanted to say was not what came out of my mouth, and what came out of my mouth was hurtful. I know that, you know. And I know that relationship is important. Because we are sisters in recovery, you know, whether I don't agree with you or I agree with you, you know, one day you could save my ass. Something you said or just a hug that you gave me when nobody else would hug me, you know, like, that's going to save my ass one of these days. Whether I got 13 years clean or 30 years clean, you know, it's not about your first day here sometimes, it's about your last day. You know, you never know who's going to save your, save your life. What one thing is going to happen? What one person your higher power is going to send to you when you turn your back to them, right? So, I am committed when I leave here because it's been a year, you know, to try to mend that thing because that relationship is important to me. And I learned that in this, in these rooms, is that you know forgiveness. It's about making amends. It's about admitting your part. It's about knowing why you act a certain way. You know, that's all about relationships. I can't ever, I cannot have no relationships in, in Narcotics Anonymous. It's a we program. Now, I cannot have, I cannot have a relationship with myself and that's it. You know, I need relate, even for the people that I do not like. And I've come to understand that as many people as I do not like, do not like me. <laughs> and that's okay. 
that I can still give you a hug. I can still listen to your message. I can still help you when you call me on, on the phone. You know, I can do all that. I don't need to like you, you know. But I do like you. I don't know why you said that. I guess because I don't know you, right? I don't let myself know you because if I let you know me, you might still hurt me. You know, I'm still there. You know, I'm still that little girl, you know, who couldn't find anybody to sit with her on the bus. You know, I'm still that little girl that was told everything she felt was wrong. Sometimes it takes me a while to get there, and sometimes, depending on my spiritual condition, you know, uh, I might feel it today and not feel it tomorrow. Um, but I need people in this relationship, in this fellowship. I need to come to a meeting and get a hug. I need to listen to your message, because your message is the same as me, whether the road to it is a little long, um, a little different, you know. Um, every day in recovery, I am grateful. Like, I woke up today, and I was so grateful, you know. Um, Yvonne was helping me at the merchandise table, and I don't know what I would have done without her, you know, really. And I gave her a hug because I got right emotional. I'm like, thank you. You know, thank you for being here and helping me. And Yvonne, I met her in the, in the fellowship. I have one or two friends outside the fellowship, but they know I'm in, in recovery. Um, sometimes I struggle at work because they all go out, you know, to party, and, and I'm... I'm I'm not comfortable, you know. It's not about the drinking or whatever they do. It's just I'm more comfortable with my people because they, like, I know what you did when you were using. I know the lies and the manipulation. Nobody else knows that, right? Nobody else understands that, right? How many times do they, you know, do people tell us, why don't you just stop? (laughs) For them, it's easy, you know. Why don't you just stop? Anyways, I want to thank you. I want you, what I do when I struggle is I'm like, okay, what's, what's the answer here? You know, how can I work towards a solution and not the problem? How can I use these traditions, right, in my relationships or what I'm doing? You know, I was talking to Jim about my topic, and he said, I said, how do you talk about relationships? Because there's so many of them, right? And you talk about the NA symbol, right, of self, service, God and society, right? So those are really the four big areas that you have relationships in. And I'm like, oh, cool, because it's all about service, right, with other people, relationships at work or, you know, when you're out, relationship with yourself. You learn what you like and what you don't like and what you are morally able to do and not morally able to do, you know. Um, God, my relationship with God. I always had this relationship with my higher power. It's just I'm learning to trust it a bit more, right? I've always known that something loved me, you know? I remember Dad and I arguing about going to church because I used to play the trumpet. And I played the trumpet in some United Church somewhere. And, and he goes, well, you need to go to, um, to Mass. I'm like, well, I'm going to church. He said, well, that's not the same. I said, well, God doesn't care. He doesn't care what church I'm in, and he, oh, I got a beat for that one. <laughs> right? But that's, I've always known that there was something loving in my life. It's just lately I've been more trusting towards it and asking it for help, right? And today my higher power is this group, right? So, I don't know if I helped anybody. I just, just I know that myself, that I have committed out loud to, um, to trying to heal a relationship that's very important to me. And if nothing else comes out of this share, that, um, you know, uh, it's out there. And if you ever see me outside uh, 
In Halifax or other conventions, you can call, ask me about it, make sure that I, uh, you know, and, and really my purpose in a relationship is to have a satisfying, spiritually guided relationship, right? And how can I do that? How can I, it's not sometimes getting what I want, right? It's sometimes saying, okay, we'll do it your way, you know, even though it's not what I want to do because I am very strong-willed. And that's something I got from my dad, right? So uh, thank you for coming to hear us and um, enjoy the rest of your convention.